the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. All right, let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man a power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire if you didn't know by now my name is chad and every single week we take a journey back in time and head back to the finer days of professional wrestling back to the mid 90s back to the world wrestling federation's new generation era and as always i am very happy to bring it to you each and every week on this tmpt empire feed and uh, it's that time of year, if you're a wrestling fan, it's the WrestleMania season. It's in full swing. We're a few weeks out from the big show, from the WrestleMania, the most stupendous WrestleMania of all time. Uh, and the Hall of Fame chatter begins to start. And you know, every time the Hall of Fame season comes about, it becomes the biggest debate between fans of, Oh, this person should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, this person should be a Hall of Famer. Oh, how is this person not a Hall of Famer? It's different than it is with sports because sports were looked at in the accomplishment uh, bracket. You know, with the Wrestling Hall of Fame, it's not really based on your accomplishments. It's just kind of based off of the mind of the man who puts it all together and whether or not he feels that it's the year we need to enshrine your achievements. But it does create a great awareness and a great conversation for fans. It gives, uh, gives podcasters like myself the ability to uh, kind of dictate some uh, content in the uh, the manner of discussing who should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, we look at our new generation years and we look at, you know, the key thing being the fact this was a down period. And when we think Hall of Fame, oh my gosh, we think these great grand huge moments andre and hogan austin and michaels and all these amazing amazing iconic uh events that happen but the new generation the era that kind of gets the uh you know the shit thrown on them pretty often you'd be surprised there's a lot of hall of fame um activity in this new generation era that we keep this podcast kind of safely tucked in Uh, But I want to kind of look at who are the guys from this new generation era that haven't gotten the nod yet. Hmm? How about that? They haven't gotten the old uh, enshrinement into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, they might be in like a pro wrestling Hall of Fame, but they're not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, the WWE Hall of Fame in the history goes back to the new generation era. It goes back to 1993. And unfortunately... It spawned uh, the birth of this Hall of Fame and the concept of the Hall of Fame with the death of Andre the Giant. So obviously, you know, not the the first thing you think of when you want to hear uh, of a Hall of Fame being created is to honor somebody who just did pass away and the manner that Andre the Giant did. But it's nice that it was uh, kind of what maybe they should have done with this class, with the 2022 class. Because with Andre the Giant being the lone member of the 1993 Hall of Fame, you know, it gives it that special kind of Andre weight that he carried with him his whole life. Well, it kind of makes it feel the same way for his induction. There is nobody else you can put in with Andre the Giant. And I, and I kind of feel that that's the way it should have been with The Undertaker. 
Right? I mean, I think The Undertaker, being one of the greatest characters that has ever been created by Vince McMahon, but also the man portraying The Undertaker, Mark Calloway, being such a respected veteran and legend and presence in the WWE locker room since 1990. I mean, it's unparalleled the uh, the the respect that has been uh, given to The Undertaker throughout his career. But you just kind of wish maybe they would go about it. I just think with 2022 20, in this era, you know, they need to pad the names. They need to make it a little more sexy for the viewing of the, uh, the the ceremony, whether it's on the USA Network or it's just on Peacock, they have to uh, kind of gussy it up and give you more names and more people and the music and the video packages. So I get it. But in 1993, it was so simple. Uh, and Andre the Giant not getting a ceremony. It was just a video package. And this newly created WWF Hall of Fame. You know, I remember when they ran it on Monday Night Raw for the first time, and you didn't really know what to think about it. And I, they also had a little piece in one of the magazines, too, where they covered uh, the enshrinement. But, you know, you watch this great video package, and it kind of got you thinking back only a few years prior, being like, man, I can't believe, one, Andre's gone, and two, you know, those kinds of characters like that Andre and, you know, the Hogans and the Warriors, that the era that had changed so much only a few years later, you know, produced almost as many Hall of Famers as that Hogan era at, at this point. But when I was up in Queens, New York this past weekend at the big event, one of the premier wrestling conventions on the East Coast, I uh, got to kind of look around and see a few of those guys that I'm about to mention on this list and, and kind of give them the nod in my head as I was putting this show together as I was driving many hours between Virginia and New York and back and forth. I uh, had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do. Uh, but, you know, just to look back, let's look at this. The 1993 Hall of Fame, Andre the Giant is the lone inductee. And, uh, again, fitting. It definitely uh, goes along well with the Andre Mystique for him to be the only one and the first member of the Hall of Fame. But in 1994, they did it in association with the King of the Ring, which is where this uh, Hall of Fame started. It started alongside the King of the Ring. Kind of gave the King of the Ring a nice little, um, you know, boost. It was still a fairly new pay-per-view at that point. But in the second class of the WWE Hall of Fame, you got Arnold Scullin, Bobo Brazil, Buddy Rogers, Chief J Strongbow, and Gorilla Monsoon. So outside of Bobo and Buddy, Scullin, Strongbow, and Monsoon were all in the WWF family. They're all very, very much tangled in the goings-on of the WWF at that point, uh, Arnold Scullin being basically the promoter in the Westchester County area, uh, Gorilla Monsoon obviously being who he was backstage and an announcer and so much of a presence, uh, and Chief J. Strongbow being one of the top agents at the time. So easy for Vince to just kind of call them in, and and for the previous era, you know, the, the 50s, 60s, and the early 70s, Bobo Brazil and Buddy Rogers uh, absolutely Deserve to be in the uh, the WWE Hall of Fame, but I love to see who inducted them, and it was pretty cool because uh, Bob Backlund inducted Arnold Scullin. Arnold Scullin was Bob Backlund's manager back in the uh, the 1980s. Uh, Ernie Ladd, the Big Cat, who was very tied into the WWF as well, uh, inducted Bobo Brazil. Bret Hart inducted Buddy Rogers, which is pretty sweet. Uh, Tatanka, very fitting. Uh, inducts Chief J Strongbow and good old JR Jim Ross inducts Gorilla Monsoon, 
who at that point in 1994, they've been broadcasting a little bit with each other over the past year. So that's a nice little um, uh, nod to the past, but a little new generation flavor uh, being thrown in. In 1995, the WWF Hall of Fame ceremony would move to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, as part of the 1995 King of the Ring weekend. Uh, this one you can actually find in its entirety I believe on YouTube, and I've I've watched it before, and they would always play the video packages on the um, the pay per views or the events, the you know the, the manias of the world or Monday Night Raw. They'd show you a little package, but when you watch the the full thing of of, of one of these ceremonies that was recorded on like a, a handy cam or a, a fan cam, um, you know you get a good feel for it, but you also um, you, you realize you know how much they could have. Uh, done with this footage had they released it, you know, in full in 1995, if they had a, a TV special to support it, kind of like how they would have with the Slammies. Uh, but this was a bigger class. This was uh, <laughs> the number seven through 13 members of the WWE Hall of Fame. And let's just run them down really quick. Again, you see the new generation flavor with the uh, inductors of the uh, the recipients. And you got Antonina Rocco was uh, inducted by Diesel. That's a weird pick, but Diesel was the WWF champion at the time. The big cat Ernie Ladd trades spots with Robo Brazil, who is now inducting him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, George the Animal Steel fittingly uh, inducted by Doink the Clown. So thinking back about a month and a half where we did our babyface Doink episode with uh, the captain himself, uh, Nick Massey. We talked about the 1995 uh, Doink Clown. He was virtually uh, missing in action. Well, here he is inducting George the Animal Steel at the 95 Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, Ivan Putsky was inducted by his son, Scott. The Fabulous Moolah by WWF Women's Champion Alundra Blaze. The Grand Wizard inducted by Sergeant Slaughter, who at this point, 95, Slaughter not on TV. So that was pretty cool to have him involved. And Pedro Morales is inducted by one Savio Vega, who at the 95 King of the Ring would have one of the best showings of his career. Uh, so that was pretty uh, that was pretty good. Again, the new generation flavor mixed with the old guard. Uh, again, Slaughter not really involved. Slaughter's one of the guys who did not get a big uh, cameo appearance like so many others did during this new generation era. We'd see Slaughter, what about? The end of 97, where he'd come back as the on-air commissioner and kind of feud with DX, have that boot camp match with Triple H at the DX In Your House pay-per-view, which I thought was actually a pretty, uh, pretty damn good match. And, and I have not one to ever really give um, Triple H any kind of credit whatsoever, but I did enjoy that match uh, very much so. Uh, let's go to the 1996 Hall of Fame. Now, they moved it from the, Survivor, uh, from the, the King of the Ring to the Survivor Series. So this was done in New York City. Right before Survivor Series 96, a big deal because Bret Hart was coming back. And, uh, you know, of course, you'd see him on this show. But uh, the, night, the next night, he'd have the epic encounter with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. One of the best matches of their careers, uh, both of them. Uh, but let's look at the uh, the rundown here. We get uh, recipients numbers 14 through 21. So the class uh, definitely, again, Bigger only because now we get some tag teams uh, thrown into the mix. So, Baron Mikel Sakluna, who could possibly be the first questionable inductee to the uh, the WWF Hall of Fame. Um, you know, Baron Mikel Sakluna was a, a pretty good name, 
But when you run down the list of guys that, yes, they maybe fit the profile better. Well, Sakuna was in the Vince McMahon senior inner circle and part of like, you know, the, uh, the, the guys that were always in the New York territory. So you kind of see why he gets the nod. He's inducted by Gorilla Monsoon. And there you go. So, I mean, it, it works out uh, kind of the way you would think it would with the uh, the old guard, like Gorilla, you know, being in the Vince Sr. inner circle. Uh, Captain Louis Albano inducted by radio personality Joe Franklin. Joe Franklin, of course, in the New York area, a legendary radio and TV host. Um, this, you know, the tie in with Lou Albano being another guy who is all over New York television and radio, uh, post WWF, he was always popping up at a charity event or on a telethon or guesting on somebody's radio show. So Joe Franklin inducting, uh, Captain Lou, pretty cool. Not bad. Uh, Jimmy Snuka inducted by his adversary, Don Morocco. Uh, the unpredictable Johnny Rods is inducted by Arnold Skolin. Uh, Killer Kowalski, very fittingly, inducted by one Triple H. Pat Patterson, inducted by the returning Brett the Hitman Hart. Now, it's funny. I could not remember that Pat Patterson was in these original couple of years of inductees. I thought he was inducted later, but, you know, that's just my uh, my brain there for you. Not working uh, overtime. Vincent J. McMahon inducted by grandson Shane McMahon. So how about that? I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Shane McMahon not on TV at that point. Nobody knew who Shane McMahon was. And uh, here he is in 1996 inducting uh, Vincent J. McMahon. And uh, the Valiant Brothers inducted by the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Now, I mean, is there a connection for that one? No, absolutely not. It just is that these guys were a tag team. They were the tag team uh, of the day. Were they the champs at that point? Whatever. It's a weird choice, but I, okay. I'm okay with it just because it's Bulldog and Owen. I'm sure there was some uh, comedy thrown in. And then they put the, the Hall of Fame ceremony to sleep until 2004. It'll be back in New York City with WrestleMania 20. That is where it became a WrestleMania tradition. But just it's interesting to see how it was kind of jumbled around and not given any kind of, um, you know, real spot in the, um, you know, the the the, the kind of the lore of WWF programming. It was just at a random pay-per-view here. Now we'll move to the Survivor Series here. So, you know, there you go. Uh, but we'll kind of look ahead. What I want to look at is who do I think should be in this Hall of Fame from the new generation era that's not? Well, we have to kind of go through who is in the Hall of Fame and why are they there? And there's a couple questionable ones because, you know, I look at this list of the last couple of years and that's kind of where we're going to see more of the, um, you know, the names that like maybe they could be in for something else, but they get kind of associated with their old characters a little bit. So they get inducted. Does it really stand? I don't know. Would you put these guys in? Maybe not. Uh, but this is also the last few years where the WWE has just like loaded these years with names that they give this legacy award to. And uh, it just is like really kind of saturating uh, what the Hall of Fame really is and, and making it harder to find guys to induct. Now, we will find a few that I have uh, written down and we will discuss. Um, but just looking through, if we go back to the uh, the new generation era, you know, we'll start off with the 2022 class. So far announced, 
You have Vader, who came in in 1996 with the big Gorilla Monsoon angle, and The Undertaker, who obviously, you know, came in 1990, but by the mid-years here, the new generation was in a transition from just taking on those big guys and just being a part of, like, you know, the big, uh, the you know, monster uh, versus big giant fat guy or tall guy feuds to by the end of it in 96 and then into 97, you know, it's having much, much better uh, feuds and matches. Mankind, Shawn Michaels, uh, you think about all the stuff he was doing with Diesel and kind of how that was ahead of its time. Uh, the Bret Hart matches in 1996. These are the kinds of things that changed the perception of The Undertaker and grew him from just the dead man, just the guy who would sit up wearing the gray gloves and then he turned to the purple gloves and it was just some different, uh, you know, supernatural things going on to the whole package, main eventer, championship matches, the conscience of the WWF, the locker room leader, the phenom, all that stuff, the music, Paul Bearer, the urn, all these great little aspects of his character grew by the time 95 96 happened you know we lost those we, let's let's just run through it quick giant gonzalez king kong bundy king mabel these big gigantic guys right at the beginning half of the new generation era he's finishing up the feud with kamala he they would just throw him in these matches that you know he would yes it would look be a spectacle would look good but the matches weren't good and the feuds were okay but when he's getting into it with Brett and then Diesel and then Mankind and Shawn Michaels, it was a lot different. And that's kind of where we saw the evolution of The Undertaker. And then by 1998, we're seeing the Kane storyline, which would take The Undertaker to the next level uh, and never bring him back. He'd be on a level elevated above everyone after that. But uh, let's look him back here. 2020. Okay, there's a couple starting to sneak in. The British Bulldog got a uh, much, much overdue induction. Uh, obviously, Bulldog having a pretty good uh, new generation run himself, coming back in 94 at the SummerSlam, uh, Brett versus Owen Steel Cage match, turning heel the following summer, and then always kind of being, you know, he was a heel, but always kind of being a uh, low-key uh, fan favorite to a lot of, uh, you know, the smarter fans that love the Bulldog's work, liked everything that he did. He always got a good reaction. Uh, but then in the New World Order induction, and this is his second, and we'll talk about the previous year he got into, but you get Sean Waltman, who in his right is a great performer and a great wrestler, and the one, two, three kid obviously made his name in the new generation era. I just don't know if Hall of Famer is in the uh, the, 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 the cards for the one, two, three kid or X-Pac or six. I think he was a great role player. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Just my opinion. Uh, moving up a little bit also in 2020, John Bradshaw Layfield, JBL, great character, Hall of Fame character. I love the title run of JBL from 2004. Been to a lot of the shows with him as champion. He got heat and people hated his guts. He did his job. Now, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who debuts in 1996, Never, ever would have thought he was a Hall of Famer. But you know what? He was, he is, and JBL is a wrestling god. Uh, in the Legacy Wing in 2018, Luna Vachon gets inducted just like that. No fanfare. 
no video package, just a part of a group that gets uh, inducted. And that really does kind of stink. Uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart gets in as part of the Hart Foundation with Brett. Uh, I absolutely think the Anvil belongs there. He was an amazing uh, big man, strong as anything, uh, and just a great character. I love the Anvil. I loved him with Owen Hart when he came back in 94 at the King of the Ring and then turned on um, uh, Brett, really, and Razor Ramon in the, uh, the, the uh, main event, crowning Owen the King of Hearts. It was perfect. Uh, but he is inducted as part of the Heart Foundation team. Uh, the DX also gets in that year, so X-Pac gets another nod. Again, see what I just said uh, with his NWO induction the previous year, 2017. Just looking through really quick, you get Jeff Jarrett, who is inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame. Jeff Jarrett has a very good new generation run, comes in in 93, but by 95, he is uh, starting to really take the number two heel spot. Uh, and settle into that intercontinental champion having great matches. Um, you know, uh, I just think a perfect heel for that era with the flashing lights on his glasses and the, uh, the very odd choice attire, the, uh, Eric Bischoff will call it the stripper attire of, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Gotta love that, but he's in the hall of fame, uh, moving back to 2017, you know, nobody really from there. I mean, the Rock and Roll Express, they had a, a cup of coffee in 1993 at the uh, Survivor Series. Great match at the Heavenly Bodies. One of my uh, my favorite things I've ever talked to on a podcast was with Jim Cornette talking about that match and how it could have been anywhere in the world but should not have been in Boston. And I loved his, uh, his take on that. Go check that out on the TMPT YouTube page. Uh, the Big Boss Man gets in in 2016 as well as the Godfather. Now the Godfather during the new generation era is comma, the Supreme fighting machine comma does not get a hall of fame. Nod. The Godfather does. Now the big boss man, he's phased out at the beginning of the new generation. We see him and we talked about him with doink. He gets uh, some doink green mist to the face and we never see him ever again. He comes back in 98 as the, uh, the hired gun for Vince McMahon, which I think would be the, uh, the second best run of his career. After uh, the original Big Boss Man, a uh, few years from 88 to 92, uh, 91, really. 92 was kind of a stinky year for him as well. But uh, Big Boss Man, 93, he's phased out. So he doesn't really fall into our uh, new generation years. Uh, 2015, Kevin Nash gets in. You know, and this is the kind of funny thing. Was it Kevin Nash? Was it Diesel? Because Scott Hall, the previous year, gets in as Razor Ramon. So why isn't Diesel in? Why is it Kevin Nash that's inducted? Why is Razor Ramon inducted but not Scott Hall? Very odd. That's also the year the Bushwhackers get in. We know the Bushwhackers went from the uh, uh, the, the uh, New Zealand-loving, uh, sardine-eating uh, duo, former sheep herders, to uh, New Zealand or to Australia, boomerang-throwing uh, maniacs. Didn't make any sense, but they get inducted in 2015. Uh, Alunja Blaze, the WWF Women's Champion, gets inducted in 2015 as well, as does Rikishi, who during this era was Fatu of the Head Shrinkers, and the Macho Man Randy Savage gets inducted in 19, uh, excuse me, in 2015 by his brother Hulk Hogan. That's right, I said brother. You get it, Hulk Hogan says brother. All the time. Uh, 2014, you get Jake the Snake Roberts. 
He obviously, we talked about it a few weeks ago. He is uh, uh, a babyface return in 1996 at the Royal Rumble and has a pretty good showing um, throughout 96. We talked about a couple of those dark matches that I would love to see published at some point by WWE. I think that'd be pretty cool. 2013, you got Bob Backlund, who had the Renaissance 1993 through 1996, uh, becoming a absolute monster heel, losing his mind, slapping everyone and putting him in the chicken wing uh, and winning the WWF championship. And that all happened during that new generation run. Bob Backlund kind of reinvented his, uh, his entire persona, which you got to love. You got to absolutely love that. Uh, 2012, Ron Simmons in, is inducted. Ron Simmons was Farouk in 1996. And then obviously uh, first Farouk Assad, then the Nation of Domination. I don't really think that's why he was getting in here. It was more about the APA stuff. But what are you going to do? Farouk is in. I think the big one to look at here in 2012. And again, some people may forget this because it's 10 years ago already. And I can't believe that. But Yokozuna, who is the top heel of the early days of the new generation. He's already in. Okay. He's in the WWE hall of fame. And I think people do forget that, you know, he's a, he, he's a guy who obviously died so long ago. It, it feels like forever ago, 1999 Yokozuna passes away. And I mean, it just feels like a lifetime of wrestling happened since then. But, you know, we all know Yokozuna uh, who just was so different compared to some of those past Hulk Hogan enemies of the past. You know, obviously we'd see him beat Hulk Hogan at King of the Ring 93, but uh, you just got the feeling with Yokozuna, you didn't know who was going to stop him. And that was like the cool part about why 92, 93, 94 Yokozuna was so strong because you just didn't know who was going to stop him. And uh, the fact he's in the Hall of Fame, that that's one name right there that absolutely deserves to be there and I'm glad he is because I forgot until I'm reading this list. I absolutely forgot that Yokozuna is in the, uh, the WWE hall of fame, uh, 2011. Okay. We see a few new generation staples, obviously, uh, Sonny being, uh, who she is and having some of her issues. Now, uh, the original diva, the whole entire divas roster inducted her, but we all know if we were males growing up in the, uh, the mid nineties, that Sonny was unlike anything we'd ever seen before. We didn't know what to think, but she kind of, uh, led the way for what would be the, the future of the WWE ladies, uh, division and, uh, Sonny WWE hall of famer, 2011 also inducted with hacksaw, Jim Duggan, who I want to cover it in depth. The Yokozuna Hacksaw Jim Duggan storyline is awesome, and it is a roller coaster of emotions. And Duggan goes from his uh, blue tights to his uh, red, white, and blue singlet in the New Generation era before leaving. And uh, he's inducted with the guy who I think, you know, maybe at the top of the New Generation list next to The Undertaker and somebody else who hasn't come up yet, but Shawn Michaels is inducted in 2011. You know, it's a, hard to believe, too. 11 years has passed since Shawn Michaels was inducted into the Hall of Fame. That is unbelievable that it's been that long that, A, he retired, and, B, that he's been enshrined in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, very well-deserved, uh, for sure, with Shawn Michaels. Love him or hate him. He, uh, he absolutely um, is one of a kind. 
And, um, you know, you almost think a guy like Shawn Michaels, the Hall of Fame, was built for someone like him. So congratulations, HBK. 2010, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Now he's inducted not for his days with the Million Dollar Corporation. It's more for his wrestling days and, you know, the uh, the 80s and prior. But got to give the nod to Big Ted for the uh, Million Dollar Corporation being the number one heel uh, stable for 1995, you know, and getting that big WrestleMania main event with LT. Can't uh, deny that. Then we'll kind of skip all the way, all the way to 2007. We're getting to the end here before I give you my final reveal. Jim Ross, who no, he's not inducted for his new generation years. He's inducted for the Attitude Era and beyond, but still he he counts. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler, the top heel of uh 1993 and you know you dare say maybe the most consistent heel of the entire new generation era everybody hated lawler but he's inducted in 2007 mr perfect is also posthumously mr perfect is also inducted in 2007 wrestles a little bit in the new generation commentates a little bit in the new generation he fit he was great he's a hall of famer through and through a guy again another guy it was built for and then I'll just give you one more here on this list. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, 2006. The uh, the inductee, of course, at the time, that was a big deal because Brett was disassociated from the WWE. And even though the DVD said it had come out the year before, the Hall of Fame was knocking on the door, and we cannot have a WWE Hall of Fame without Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, but who's missing from this list? Now, I sat next to two guys who I think need to be on this list at the uh, the big event in Queens, New York this past weekend. Now, their WWF tenure in the new generation, it was met with championship wins. They had the, the tag team belts, I believe, twice. Uh, they debuted at the end of 92. They left at the beginning of 1994. Um, they had a summer feud with the Quebecers. They had a early feud with the head shrinkers. And when they left the WWF after the Royal rumble in 1994, uh, they did so after disagreeing with Vince McMahon and how the Royal rumble was going to be booked. Uh, Vince McMahon wanted to kind of start the Royal rumble like Axe and smash did in 1989 and have two tag team partners going at it. But these two tag team members, balked at that and they did not go ahead and do it. So they separated them by one uh, uh, number. So instead of one and two, they became one and three. And if you ever go back and watch it, you notice that number three basically does nothing in the match because uh, they were so displeased with Vince McMahon. But I'm going to give uh, one Hall of Fame nod to the duo known as the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner. Now, Rick, is he considered back in the fold a little bit because of his son being uh, the NXT champion and Braun Breaker being like the second coming of the Steiner brothers in one massive human being? Um, but you just cannot deny the body of work. Now, they didn't have the greatest year, but again, those matches with the Quebecers were very, very entertaining. I always look forward to the Steiner brothers being a part of the show. Uh, we talked about last week with Tom Fleming, the uh, the cover of the Survivor Series uh, pay-per-view, them being in the main event with the All-Americans versus the Foreign Fanatics and being a huge part of that entire show. 
Um, but also you think about, like I said, those tag team title victories and the match that I say is possibly the best match of the new generation era, the Hart brothers versus the Steiner brothers, uh, taped for Coliseum video. Um, the Steiners are there. And, and if you ever hear the story told by Rick Steiner about how that match came together, it just goes to show you the beauty of what professionals can do when they get to work together. And uh, that is a huge example of that. And if you can go out of your way to find the Steiner brothers versus the Hart brothers, it is a phenomenal match. I think it's on one of the commercial releases uh, of the last, you know, like 15 years. I know it's on WrestleFest 94 on Coliseum video, but I, it had to be released. Uh, maybe on one of the Bret Hart DVDs. If you can uh, find one of those or just go stream it on Peacock. I'm sure it's there. It can't not be included on a, a 90s compilation because it's one of the best matches of the decade. Uh, it's just so perfect. And and four guys that work absolutely uh, well together. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, the other one I'm going to give the nod to uh, may be getting the nod uh, this year. Actually, my next two guys may be getting the nod this year. We've heard the rumors uh, that Sid, Psycho Sid, would be inducted this year now Sid obviously you know had a great 1996 after coming back in 95 and having a, a good run as a top heel and having some not so great matches with Diesel uh in 96 when he came back in the summer to replace the ultimate warrior uh the fans took to Sid in a way that I don't think we would have ever expected uh they went nuts for him every time he came out they were chanting his name he was doing the fist bump and the I rule the world and it was uh, it was different at the time. He was a guy we knew, but he seemed a little cooler now. And places like New York City, he was so over that you could put him in the ring with anybody and he would get a giant reaction. Uh, so Sid is rumored to be a part of this 2022 class. You know, do I like having two big, huge names like Undertaker? And the guy who the Undertaker beat for his uh, second world title Sid on the same one? No, because then you also have Vader too. It's like almost three of the same guy. And again, three in the same era. Uh, Undertaker, the man, the myth, the legend being over those guys. But you know what I'm trying to say. There's still that same era. They were basically the same kind of, uh, you know, tiered wrestler. Um, the other guy who could be getting in this year, there's some rumors, there's some rumblings. And uh, although did not have the most uh, iconic, WWF run, and this one's from my boy Husey. Uh, you gotta put Lex Luger in the Hall of Fame. If not for the WWF years, for the other years, you know, the big victories, the Hulk Hogan title victory at 97, you know, the uh run with the four horsemen, fighting the four horsemen, and, and the Lex Express as a whole. It's not his best run on paper, but it was still pretty damn good. And, and I got to give it to Lex Luger, you know, especially for what he's been through over the last 10 years or so. It would be nice to see Lex Luger honored. And he he's such a great human being. And I know these days have have definitely humbled his prior um, feelings towards the business. I mean, he is out on the convention scene all the time and is one of the nicest guys you'll get to meet. I think it would be nice to give it to Luger. Uh, at this stage of life. And if they do, that will be uh, wonderful. Now, one more team I'm going to give it to didn't really have a huge sample in the new generation. And definitely their best days were not in the new generation. 
but they technically were there for about mm, six months or so leading into it. And when we listened to the uh, WWF uh, WrestleMania, the album, they were a pretty big uh, part of it. So I'm going to give it to the Nasty Boys. Okay, again, I sat next to the Nasty Boys as well. It was sandwiched between the Nasty Boys and the Steiner Brothers with the Queen of Extreme, Francine. Quite the spectacle. But the Nasty Boys, uh, I mean, what can you say? They, these were two loudmouth guys that just like to come and kick the crap out of your the opponents. And when you watch those squash matches, you feel so bad for those poor schlubs because the Nasty Boys are throwing them around from pillar to post and give them the pit stop, take them to pity city. And, uh, you know, you see Brian Nobbs drop that huge elbow or you see a pile driver or power bomb or whatever they were using as a, as a finish it devastating. And although they turned babyface and were a little, you know, kind of neutered by the, uh, the WWF system, you got to give it to the nasty boys. They were just a, uh, a an iconic duo and Brian Knobs having some health issues over the last year. Jerry Sags is a great personality. And just hearing him talk and joking with the fans, I mean, these guys are perfect ambassadors for the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, if they can get in, I think that would actually be something to the benefit of the WWE. But again, it's not up to the fans. It's not up to us who would say, hey, I'd vote for this guy or a panel of the wrestlers that say, all right, we got six people we're going to choose from this year. Who's eligible to be inducted? You know, it's just, you see it past about 2013, 2014. It's just a smorgasbord of people. It is just, okay, I woke up this morning and now Carlos Colon needs to get in. Or I woke up this morning and Tatsumi Fujinami needs to go in. Or uh, I woke up this morning and now, you know, I'm going to let Joan London and Snoop Dogg into the, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame. And I know Joan London having a, a cancer issue. I know that I'm not saying that that's the reason why she shouldn't be in, but there's just, there's things that the WWE hall of fame should stand for. And it doesn't because it just comes from the mind of the guy who's thinking it's going to put asses in seats, sell tickets and, and that's it. But Hey, I like it because the guys get a good payday. You know, they can go out of the convention scene and make a few extra bucks Never hurts. And they usually get new merchandise associated with it. You know, a new uh, little documentary made or a new action figure made or something that's released in conjunction with the Hall of Fame. And you can't deny that, you know, they're usually added into the trading card sets. And and that stuff is very cool. And I think it carries a lot. And I'm very uh, I'm very happy for anybody who gets in, because, again, it's not about who's making the decision it's about who's being honored and to some of these guys it might not mean a lot but some of them it does mean something so if we could see the steiners luger and the nasty boys i think this would be a great uh group to be added to the hall of fame um and again may not a huge sample but you know rick martell also needs to be there too but we won't belabor the point how much i love rick martell on this uh episode but that is gonna be it who did I miss? Who's somebody you think should be in the Hall of Fame? Is it a is it a manager? Is it an announcer? Is it a, a personality? Is it another wrestler? Is it a team? Who did I miss? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. It's at Chad EMB. And uh, let me know what you're thinking. Uh, also, if you have any other kind of suggestions, let me know that as well. Love to uh, 
shoot the breeze about one of the topics you're thinking of. I have a few cool ones of mine I think might make their way to the new generation declassified airwaves. Also preparing for the March edition of Coliseum Chad uh, just a few weeks away. So stay tuned for that. If you want to follow me anywhere, like I said, it is at Chad EMB on Twitter. It's at IB exclusives on Instagram. I want you to check out below the slash IB exclusives, get an IB exclusives t-shirt and also get a Chadster shirt. I'm trying to push these Chadster shirts folks. And if you could buy them, I would love it and I'd appreciate it. And it would make me very, very happy to, uh, to see those starting to uh, move as I feel they should be. Uh, but yeah, it's below the slash IB exclusives. My website is ibexclusives.com. This website is tmptempire.com. Check out all the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella. And also check me out with the Triple Threat Podcast and the Eyes Up Here Podcast with the Queen of Extreme, Francine. It's on Patreon, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast and simulcast on the Creative Control Network. So that's enough out of me. Let's hear from you. Let me know what's going on in your mind for the hall of fame and we'll wrap it up for everyone here it's just me it's your old buddy the chadster i will catch you on the flip side thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading